Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. What does the word disruptive mean to you? It means going beyond the ordinary, going beyond the status quo. Not thinking in the conventional way, not just sort of following the herd. Disruptive means shaking things up, you know? Disruptive entrepreneur is somebody who sees the problem and embraces the problem with a new way. Shake up and awakening. Quality will take care of itself and you'll go from being disruptive but also profitable. When you use your own reservoir of talent, when you love what you do, then you disrupt. Mix it up, change it up and dominate. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. Hi, it's Rob Moore here. How to dramatically increase the productivity of you and your team. So I've done productivity live streams and podcast episodes on the Disruptive Entrepreneur probably a good few times over the last five years. What I'm going to focus this episode on to make it a little bit different is dramatically increasing the productivity of your team. Now, this could be your staff. This could be your outsourcers. This could be people who do admin for you. This could be partners, husbands, wives. (laughs) This could be anyone who you have that do tasks for you and you want them to be more productive, more efficient, to hit better deadlines, to get the right jobs done. I think I've got about 14 points to cover. So here we go. In fact, I'll tell you what, I'll give you an agenda first and then you know what's coming. So the first thing is a clear job description and that includes yourself and that's the mistake many employers make. They give all their team job descriptions, if they actually do, but they don't give themselves one. Next then is your key result areas. Next will be your income generating tasks. Then roles, responsibilities, and MSOIs. Culture, environment, and atmosphere. Um, Actually enjoying the job, which is a big one, which most people don't talk about. Um, Projects, not tasks. No ceiling on progression and earning capacity. Accountability, deadlines, the balance of autonomy and management. KPIs, rewards, progression, recognition, and then removing bottlenecks. So these are the 14 elements of dramatically increasing the productivity of you, but a main focus on your team and your staff in this episode. Let's do this. All right, so a clear job description. So a clear job description, a big corporate, uh, they would have job descriptions for uh, sending to recruiters to recruit for them and then internally. But many uh, one-man band or small entrepreneurial um, ventures, they don't have clear job descriptions. And for me, what a clear job description would look like would be a vision and values of the company at the top in one paragraph or less. Then it would be the main um, outcome of their role to the top line. Then it would be their key result areas. Then it would be their income generating tasks. And then it would be their other roles and responsibilities. And I'd put them in that order so that it's really clear what your staff member is supposed to do, therefore not supposed to do. Um, And it gives them autonomy because if you think about it, if one is overwhelmed and that could be you or your team member, if you look in your job description document, which should be two pages uh, and it's in your key result areas, you should do it. It's not in your key result areas. You should delay it, delegate it or delete it. All right. Now you've got to know your job as well as your team members knowing their job. And a lot of people, when they start doing job descriptions, they do it for everyone else, but not for themselves. But your staff need to know what your job is and you need to know what your job is so you can fill your own job description, key result areas, um, and what we'll come to in a moment, which is income generating tasks. And that's really important too. Don't just do it for your team, but not yourself. 
Okay, next then is knowing what your main key result areas are. You should probably have between three and seven. And what a key result area is, it's an area of focus that is vital to the growth or at least the delivery of your role. Um, now, sometimes it can be income generating and sometimes it's not directly income generating because it could be strategic or tactical or it could be administrative, depending on your role. But um, the three to seven key result areas, the non-negotiable deliverables that ensure that you either fulfill or grow your role. And again, you should have your key result areas as well as your managers and then their um, their team members should have their key result areas too. Uh, and if you have a business partner, they should be very different and complementary and opposite. And what key result areas do is they give you this overriding guidance and um, focus. Because if you're ever overwhelmed, confused, um, inundated, too much to do, which of course most of us are much of the time, you just check your key result areas. Is it a key result area? Uh, no. Delay it, delegate it, or delete it. Um, and if it is a key result area, you can focus on it. Now, there shouldn't really be more than seven, six, seven, um, because it means that you're spread too thin. Or if there's too many of them, clearly some of them in, in that key result area list are not that important. Okay, next then, I think we're on three of 14, is income generating tasks. Uh, and they are tasks which generate income and the most amount of income. Now, no two tasks have the same amount of, uh, of value to you. You could have a five pound task or a 5,000 pound task. You know, um, closing, calling uh, and generating um, business from clients. That would be a, a, an income generating task. Doing the, the admin and the follow up and the terms and conditions. Those examples, they would not be income generating tasks. Now, it's not that non-income generating tasks aren't important and shouldn't be done. It's just that um, if you do them, they're taking you away from generating income, hence called an income generating task. So do you know what tasks generate income and what don't? Are you mostly focused on what tasks generate income and what don't? And are you outsourcing or delaying or at least batching in, in small windows of time all of your non-income generating tasks? Because if you're not then your earning capacity could actually be going down. Per hour, you could be earning less. And this is vital for your team members too. So if, for example, if you've got a salesperson and they're drowning in admin, the admin is non-income generating and the selling is income generating. Um, and a lot of people get frustrated with their sales team who aren't that organized. I would say if they're really good at sales, don't worry that they're not organized. Take the admin away from them, get someone else to do that so they can do more income generating tasks, which is generating leads and, and closing leads and, and, and winning um, new and existing business. So income generating tasks, how many of those should or, or might you have? You might have five, you might have 10 different um, tasks within your, as a subcategory of your key result areas that you should be mostly focusing on. Okay, next then, roles, responsibilities, and MSOIs. Sorry, MSOPs. I get um, uh, multiple streams of income is MSOI, and uh, that is tattooed on my brain. But an MSOP is a minimum standard of performance. And each team member needs a minimum standard of performance, which is linked to their key result areas, job description, and income generating tasks. And what MSOPs are, are say the five key metrics that they have to do just to keep their job, essentially. They are a minimum standard of performance. Now, if you have good minimum standards of performance in your job descriptions, that can completely de-risk having a staff member. You could have it linked to revenue. So for, for example, your sales team, they could, um, as a minimum standard of performance, have to generate um, net £5,000 a month in income before then they earn, so they only earn commission on the 
um, uh, you know, 5,001 and above. And if they do start to consistently not hit the 5,000 pound um, in the month, as a minimum standard of performance, you can performance manage them or, or even let them go because they're not hitting the minimum standards to fulfill the role. And if they're clearly written in the job description or in the contract, then of course they are clear. And if they're not, they're not. Curtis has just said, I'll be saving this video. So thank you for the feedback. Um, now, roles and responsibilities. Key result areas are your main areas that um, grow and fulfill the role. Income generating tasks are the five or 10 tasks that generate the income. The responsibilities and the roles are slightly different. You know, your role is, is your job title and, and maybe some key functions of your role and your responsibilities. They may, they may be with management or um, facilities management um, or other um, either key result area or non or, or income generating or separate. But if you know your role and everyone knows their role, just like a football team, um, you know, in football, if everyone just chases the ball, they're, they're likely to lose, you know, like the kids do. Um, but, you know, the, um, the players in their positions hold and keep their position. Um, the strikers know actually their role isn't just to score goals, but it's to defend from the front line, for example. So when people know their roles and responsibilities, who they're responsible for, what they're responsible for, which again could be linked to key result areas or could be separate, then there's clarity. And where there's clarity, there's no confusion, no overwhelm, no um, abdication or, um, it, it, or, or um, delegation in the wrong areas. Okay, next then is a good culture and environment or atmosphere. So I think this is vital. A good culture. Now, your, your, a culture is that je ne sais quoi word. Like, what is culture? Because a lot of it is just a feeling. Like when you walk into an office, the atmosphere, the feeling, the setup, um, the kind of people, what they wear, how they are with each other. Um, that gives you a sense of culture, but it's really hard to put into a word or phrase what culture is. But the environment in which you or others work, is it conducive to productivity, energy, enthusiasm, passion, drive, commitment, loyalty, um, getting things done, hitting targets and deadlines, continual and never ending improvement, open and 360 degree feedback? Is it conducive to all of those things or is it a bit autocratic? Is it a bit dark and moody if the leader is dark and moody? So how do you create that? Well, really, it comes from the top. It comes from the leader. Um, and if you are passionate, inspired, enthused, motivated, you take feedback as well as give feedback. You have an, an open culture of um, feedback, improvement, ideation from the bottom up, not just the top down. Your values, what your core company values are, ours are progressive, innovative, personal. And then we have eight culture values within the team, loyal team, resourceful, etc., so you create your values for the outward world, three to five max. You create your inner um, culture values from your team, should you choose. We did both. Um, and then you all um, exhibit the culture uh, and you have a clear set of guidelines of, of, of how you maybe are different to other employers. And your space that you work in is conducive. It has lots of light. It's open. Um, but at some points it's closed, like meeting rooms and things, because you need privacy too. The, all these things, the atmosphere. So you know when you're trying to get work done and there's noise and distraction and it's dark and it, it, it's messy and you know how that's not conducive to product, productivity. So your own space and the space that your team work in, again, they need to be conducive to that. So environment might be the, the physical location and the room and the space. Culture might be the, the atmosphere that's created by the way people behave. 
Um, and, and both of those things might create like the, the sense or the atmosphere or the feeling. And this is vital. You know, if, if someone is ruining the atmosphere or if there's office politics or if there's a lots of, of gossip or backstabbing or politics, um, that's just that that just consumes shitloads of time. And if you get rid of all that noise and bullshit, like at the moment, how many people are having how many conversations about COVID and the lockdown? It's just a massive time drain. Bitching, moaning, defending, justifying and complaining. These are massive time drains. So all of these distractions, you get rid of them. There's all of a sudden a load of time to get key result area and income generating tasks done. Hi, it's Rob here, interrupting you with something you may not know about me. I was one of the few people on the planet hand-selected by Facebook to pilot their new supporter program. It's a very small premium model where you can get exclusive content and advance notice or discount of new products and services. So this is what I've done for you. Not only can you get best discounts, for any training that we might run. Not only do you get notified first of any launches we do, we also do supporter meetups, supporter dinners, supporter WhatsApp groups where you have a, a deeper community. I do supporter only ask me anything. I do supporter only content and podcasts. We have a community of 2,500 supporters and I'd love to give you the chance to be one of those. I believe this is the best supporter program in the whole world. Find me a better one, but I don't think you will. So the link is bit.ly forward slash Rob Supporter with a capital R. That's bit.ly forward slash Rob Supporter with a capital R. I believe the gap between free content and paid content is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. There's a lot of free content out there that's maybe not that good. And for just a few dollars a month, you can get the best content on business, on entrepreneurship, on starting up, on scaling up, on sales, on marketing, on the mindset of being an entrepreneur. So go to bit.ly forward slash Rob Supporter with a capital R right now. Next then, and I think this is really vital, enjoying the job. I believe you are halfway there um, to productivity, efficiency, effectiveness, if people enjoy the job and you enjoy the job. And I, I do a lot for myself and for my team to ensure that they enjoy their job. I think that that's really important. And that might be, for example, trying to have a bit of a banter and a laugh. Um, trying to give them autonomy and progression and recognition and reward, trying to treat them like a leader, not a subordinate, um, trying to have, like I said, this open feedback and continual improvement mindset, um, making our culture a bit different and quirky and innovative compared to the rest, having variety of jobs and, you know, sometimes maybe switching roles and responsibilities and, you know, always having a little bit too much to do, but, you know, having a real sense of, team and togetherness, etc, etc. Yeah, so let me just remind you that I think is one of the most vital. It's often overlooked. You as well, if you don't enjoy your job, that's going to transmute out and your team aren't going to enjoy their job. So you've got to make sure you do what you can to enjoy your job, whether you need variety or consistency, whether, you know, what's the, the ideal amount of hours you should be working, what jobs you should be doing, delegating, delaying or deleting. So, you know, because again, most of the culture, the energy, the drive comes from the top down in an organisation, from the founder or the, you know, the leader. Next then is give projects to people, not just tasks. No one really wants to feel like they're your admin biatch, um, even if their job is admin. And I see admin just as important as leadership. Um, we all have a role to play. I see relationships as, um, is that horizontal? Yes, horizontal. We're all equal, but do different things as opposed to vertical, which is autocratic and hierarchical. 
Um, so if you give people projects to own and, and, and they really put their own heart and soul and, and also a fear of loss and responsibility into it, they're likely to step up, lead, enjoy the role much better, be more productive than if you just give them shit job after shit job after shit job after shit job after shit job. Okay, next then is try not to have any ceiling on progression and earning capacity. If they hit ceilings of their career progression and they stay there for one, two or three years, they're probably going to look for another job because they can't progress because progression is a human need. Um, so make sure there's, they know there's always a room to progress, even if it's a sideways movement um, or if, they, if there's no role ahead of them that they could create that role. Um, you know, with, with, with effective growth and leadership and results. And the same with earning capacity. If there are commissions, make sure that they ratchet up and up and up and there's no ceiling or limit on their earning capacity. All right, next then is accountability and deadlines. So if you don't give deadlines, things will never get done. If you don't give accountability to deadlines, deadlines will get missed. Very, very famous people have said, if you want to you know, be successful, hire smart people, give them slightly too much to do, then get out of their way. I think Bill Gates and Steve Jobs, both in their own words, said that. Hire smart people, give them just too much to do and get out of their way. A little bit too little to do and people are bored and apathetic and things decay and don't get done and enthusiasm and drive and energy goes. Whereas if people have just got a little bit too much to do, they're sort of like not quite in control, but they're, they're dynamic, they're moving fast. They've got a lot on, they've got responsibility and they're accountable to deadlines. There's rewards if they beat them or meet them and there are some penalties if they miss them, then that gives um, essentially more proactivity, productivity um, and you get more done in less time. Next then is the right balance of autonomy and management. So no one likes to be micromanaged except you know very, very hardcore process driven thinkers who just want to be told what to do. Um, but most people like a bit of autonomy, freedom, leadership, responsibility, um, you know, ownership. Uh, and so giving them that autonomy and that um, progression and that ownership of projects and some leadership roles, even if they don't, they're not, they're not perceived to be in leaders, leadership positions. This is vital, but they still need guidance, management, not, um, you know, over management, not overbearing, micromanagement, but guidance, support, education, um, you know, maybe um, helping them get their own lessons. I really believe uh, more and more as I grow older um, that uh, people learn the best when they get the lessons themselves. And whilst people follow me for information and advice and support and guidance and, you know, I give it hardcore, um, more and more I try and help people get the lessons by getting the lessons themselves, but guiding them to get the right lessons. Um, so, yeah, uh, something to think about there. But, you know, just telling people what to do. Hmm. It works to a point, doesn't it? But, you know, try telling your kids what to do. Um, and we can all, all, adults can act like children too. <laughs> um, so yeah, that right balance of autonomy and management. And um, by the way, some people avoid conflict. You've got to challenge and avoid and, and, and have conflict. You need equal challenge and support to grow someone in their role, just like you need equal challenge and support. So make sure you're not overly challenging or over supporting. Next then is KPIs, key performance indicators. So these are the metrics, the feedback that you are growing or decaying, that you're going in the right direction or the wrong direction. So key performance in indicators are the proof, the metrics, the numbers, the conversions, um, you know, the cost per lead, sale, lifetime client value, maximum acquisition cost per client. Um, there's loads. I've done um, episodes on my podcast on key performance indicators. I've got a key performance indicator and, and marketing document report that I created which you can get in my supporter program, which is bit.ly forward slash Rob Supporter with a capital R. But you cannot master what you do not measure. 
Omar said here, most companies are massively overmanaged and massively underled. Yes, yeah, so a leadership is not micromanagement. Leadership is creating a vision and inspiring people to move towards that vision um, and then allowing them to fulfill their role towards that vision. Man management is, of course, all the, the details and the controls and the feedback. Um, so in management, you would do things like um, you'd have reports, although um, I read reports all the time. Um, you would have health and safety. Uh, you would have um, where you go if you've got a grievance. You would have monthly performance reviews, 360 degree feedback, analyzing all KPIs within the role, um, onboarding, support, continual development. Um, that these would all be management type roles. Leadership, like I said, it's creating the vision, it's giving the energy and the enthusiasm and the direction and then just pulling your team along. And leadership and management are really different and both are vitally required but a leader and a manager are not the same thing. Many entrepreneurs and startup founders are great leaders, but really poor managers. Um, okay, next then, rewards, progression and recognition. So James Kahn, the um, dragon, he mentored me back in 2000 and I think it was 2010. And, and he said um, that the three things that people really need in a career that probably are more important than money and might equate to you um, not having to pay as much salary pound for pound are P-R-A. Progression, recognition, and autonomy. Progression, recognition, and autonomy. So in addition to rewards, financial rewards, um, of course, promotions, other benefits, you know, you might give them, there's pension, isn't there? There's, um, you could do gym membership. You could have um, various vouchers, um, Virgin vouchers, our team love. Um, I think we've got about 12 different benefits. You could buy and sell holiday. We do all of those things. Um, but uh, the progression, i.e. I can move my career forward. Recognition, i.e. I'm recognized for the good work I do. On autonomy, i.e. I'm not micromanaged and I'm left to pretty much crack on and I'm just guided along. These are proven through lots of research to be three of the most important areas in, in hiring people. And these are outsourcers as well as full-time staff members, by the way, because people are people. Um, and then rewards. What rewards are you giving them, whether it's financial or other? Is it continual, i.e. there's no ceiling on it? Um, because, you know, essentially human beings do like rewards, pleasure and pain drivers. So carrot and stick, as they say, don't really like management to be as simplistic as that. But if there um, aren't the rewards for what we do, then we're only really being managed by stick, not carrot. Um, next then is removing bottlenecks and ensuring that all their resources are available. So do they have everything they need to do a really good job? Are there bottlenecks in maybe too many layers of management or software and systems that are broken or don't work or they have to do too much manual processing? Um, they have to manage too many people. They say six to eight is really the maximum that anyone should manage. So you've got to make sure all friction and bottlenecks and politics and red tape and software and systems and admin and, you know, too much chat and noise and distraction and overwhelm. All of these things, the more you reduce them, the less friction there is, and then the more um, pr productive and efficient and effective they're going to be. So hopefully you found this useful. I'm going to put this on the Disruptive Entrepreneur podcast if you're watching on the live video. Um, so let's just summarize what we've covered. How to dramatically increase productivity. Yes, for you, but mostly on this episode focused on your staff. I've done other episodes on my podcast on your own productivity and efficiency, so you can listen to them if you need to step up that game. But hey, look, is it... Could you argue that it's more important to get your team and staff members more productive than you? You could argue yes, because if they're more productive than you and you've got many of them and there's only one of you, they will trump you. So if, let's say you're hyper productive and efficient in your own jobs 
uh, and you're getting like eight really good hours a, a day done. Well, actually, if you had 10 staff and they only did four really good hours a day, that'd be 40 hours instead of your eight. But if you got their four hours to eight hours, that's 80 hours instead of their 40 instead of your eight. So you could argue actually getting other people productive, efficient, effective, um, that's going to have a bigger impact on the growth of your company and your vision than actually yourself. So have a clear job description for every role, including yourself. Um, Have three to seven main key result areas for every role, including yourself. Because remember, your job is not everything. Um, Make sure you know what your and the team's income generating tasks are so they can always focus on generating income. Uh, Next is make sure they're clear on their roles and responsibilities. This is number four. And also the minimum standards of performance. Number five, having a good culture and an environment and atmosphere that's conducive and energetic and dynamic. Um, Number six is make sure you enjoy your job and they enjoy their job and do the maximum you can to enjoy the job. I believe that's half the battle. If I've covered 14 things on this episode, 13 of them equate to half. And one of them, enjoying the job you and they do, is half. So like I said, Mark and I, we try and have a bit of banter, a bit of laugh. We try and create some energy. We try mostly to have people doing things in their role that they enjoy. I mean, we all have to do shit we don't like. That's part of life. You can't avoid that. But for the most part, it is possible to create enjoyment in a job role. That should not be underestimated. Okay, next then is give projects to people, not just making them a task monkey junkie. Um, Next is don't have ceiling on progression. And when you're a small company, there normally is because they can't see their um, career path. In a big corporate, you can because it's mapped out before them. So you always have to give them the guidance and the belief that um, they can progress their career. And if there is no role above them, then you let them know that they create their role. Um, My head of design, I said to him, hey, look, I'm looking to build an innovation department. Do you want to head it up? And he said, yes. And his career progressed into a, a role and a whole department that wasn't even there before when he joined the company. Okay, don't put any ceiling on their earning capacity. Ratchet it up and up and up and up and up so they've always got more money to earn. Um, Make sure that um, there's accountability and deadlines. Um, Remember, hire smart people, give them slightly too much to do um, and all the resources required to get the job done. Next then is the right uh, balance of autonomy and freedom, but also management and guidance and accountability. Um, Key performance indicators is next, all the measurements and metrics that give you the feedback that their role is being fulfilled. Penultimately, then, is rewards, progression, recognition, and autonomy. Remember, P-R-A, over money, although, of course, you've got to pay them. But um, progression, recognition, and autonomy, as well as reward. And then finally, remove bottlenecks, politics, red tape, nonsense, distraction, noise, Um, And make sure all their resources are available to them and they work properly. The systems, the software, the management processes um, so that they can actually get the job done and not waste a load of time. Um, So in our company, as it's growing fast, there's a lot of admin created by manual reporting. So we have a systems architect and basically bit by bit, he's writing an automated piece of software or something in Lithos or getting um, our various different pieces of software to talk to each other is creating a master dashboard of all the KPIs that we need um, you know, to, to, to run the company effectively. Uh, and each time he, he puts a new system in place, it means that three or five or even 10 or 20 hours a month of one of our staff members' times is, 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 is given back because they don't have to do all this manual reporting. Um, so that's something that we've been striving to improve over and over. Thanks for tuning in. I love you all. Um, We've got a couple of really exciting things coming up. First thing is Tuesday 13th of October, which I believe is tomorrow if you're watching the live, um, is the how to create a compelling, irresistible, sexy offer for any product or service, new or existing. 
one-to-one um, -one or one-to-many, online or face-to-face. -face. I've got 21 agenda points I'm going to cover in two to three hours, plus a live Q&A. To jump on that, and this is tomorrow, by the way, and by, you can get a recording as long as you sign up before tomorrow, but afterwards it will go, be gone and you can't get a recording retrospectively. The link is tiny.cc forward slash compelling. That's tiny.cc forward slash compelling. Jump in right now if you haven't already. It's, it's almost full. And then this Friday, so what would that be, the 16th-ish of October, um, we have a new supporter challenge. Now, supporters love the challenges. I think we've done four. We do them every sort of three months. And this is a brand new one. We've never done it before. It's an e-com and Shopify cash flow challenge. E-com is huge right now. Shopify is the big mover because maybe Amazon is a little saturated and competitive. So we're doing a brand new challenge in the supporter program, basically six to seven days, all free content, three pieces of content a day, actions, accountability for you to start and set up and make money online. And you just need to be a supporter, which is bit.ly forward slash Rob supporter with a capital R. That's bit.ly forward slash Rob supporter with a capital R. I'll see you on those both on the other side. And remember this. If you don't risk anything, you risk it.